Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, welcome to T25CO Entertainment, Galaxy Talk Radio United. We stand is the name of my show. I'm your host, Galaxy Chief, Andre Ward. It's Saturday, February 1st, 2020. The time is currently 10 a.m. here on the West Coast. Let's go over some temperatures before we do an introduction to our company, who we are. It's 55 degrees here in Oakland, 68 in our sister city, Los Angeles, 37 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 41 in New York City, 50 in London, England, 88 in Lagos, Nigeria, 64 in Kairobi. Okay, just in case you don't know who we are, let's go over some talking points. Of who we are, T25 Seal Entertainment is your platform for digital entertainment. Please listen to our 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week radio show featuring jazz, R&B, blues, hip-hop, gospel, and international music. Check out the many music artists with available CDs for downloading to your listening devices. We have four radio talk shows. On Monday, we have Compton Politics with Lorenzo Murphy. On Tuesday, we have The Mothership with Dr. Nina Kwiku. On Wednesday, we have The Star of United with Stan Rosalind Jordan Mills in Rosalind's Corner. And on Saturdays, my show, United We Stand with yours truly. Check out our website for times and login information for each show. We have a uh, Gal Stark Radio. We here at Gal Stark Radio are not professional broadcasters. We offer a platform for independent artists, filmmakers, and writers to advertise what they do and for the listening audience to call in and meet our artists as well as expressing themselves on what is going on in the world. As you know, my show, United We Stand, was named after our film, United We Stand. But the intent was to bring attention to the black economy on a global basis. Our intent is to reach across America and across the globe to build a universal economy and to make new trading partners abroad. As I've said before, our spending capacity in the United States is about $1.3 trillion annually, would be the equivalent to the seventh greatest economy in the world. The problem is the circulation of wealth in our communities and with other Black-owned businesses in the U.S. and Black-owned Black corporate crime. When dollars are not recirculated and invested in the economy, we have business failures and massive unemployment as we do today. Please visit our website at www.t25co.com. Listen to our free 30-second clip of our music artists such as Charles Small, Brenda Lee Edgar, Mark Allen Felton, Ross and Jordan Mills, Randell Merritt, Myron Edwins, Huck Brownie, Cartier Jonez, and Mr. Gates, Kimba, Young Bobby and Lexi, Wally Taylor, Chet Willis, Cleveland Jones, and the Five Timothy Men, and Roy Wainwright. Check out the Kev Choice trailer and rent the film. For those of you listening in on our website, if you want to call in and ask questions or make a comment, call 605-562-0444. Our show code is 139283. Or log in by our website and you can view the broadcast on your computer. Okay, let's go over some uh, talking points here. Oh, by the way, let's talk about United We Stand the Movie. 
please uh, view our film at uh, www.t2ico.com and go to the movies tab and check out our film uh, United We Stand. And um, also write a comment. We really need you to do that is to write a comment on your thoughts of the film. So if any one of you have uh, seen the film previously, uh, just write us write in a little comment and, and how much you enjoyed the film. And, and in um, January, we just began marketing United We Stand on various platforms for our marketing entity down in um, Hollywood. And so um, they're going to be doing heavy marketing and selling off of our film worldwide. So we'll be talking about more of that in the weeks and months to come. All right, let's go over our talking points. And okay, let's start out with Black History Month. February 1st begins uh, Black History Month. And uh, I don't know who created it, who started Black History Month, but it's a good thing, you know, even though it's the shortest month of the year and when history doesn't even show when we began as a people. But, um, but it's okay. So during this month, we will be doing all kind of various uh, recognitions. And I'm pretty sure there's other uh, Black events uh, going on throughout the course of the month. And I know uh, Sister Patience, uh, she has an event coming up in San Jose around the 15th or so of the month. And it's going to big, be a big African event. And uh, T25CL will be there. And all of our uh, members of T25CL will be there, our local artists and videographers and everybody that participates here at United We Stand and T25CL Entertainment will be there to support our uh, sister uh, patients at Wazi. Also, um, a couple of nights ago, we went to uh, Channel 5, CBS in San Francisco for their annual uh, kickoff of Black History Month as well. And we've been uh, attending this event now for about the past five years or so. And it's always uh, a great thing to do. And, also to not only have uh, good food, but to meet the newscasters there at Channel 5 and also um, meet new business owners who come there to uh, network. And this time I met various people in the insurance business and in the financial business. And so it seems as though that's what was uh, kind of really dominating uh, this time and also met a dynamic uh, sister who was an attorney and uh, she was a generational wealth attorney and so that was very very good I've never met um, a, a generational wealth attorney and so um, I'm very pleased to meet her we had a great conversation and and also meeting with other people that are tied to um, Wall Street with investment opportunities and so forth and and you know I've said many times the on this show that uh, Wall Street is going to take a hit. And so I've, I've been saying it for months now, and maybe some people may have laughed at me and said that old galaxy chief, he's losing his damn mind. But uh, Wall Street took a very serious hit, about 400 something points um, yesterday. And so we've been predicting uh, that this would happen. We predicted uh, the, the fall of Wall Street, we predicted that the currencies of the world are going to change. 
with the global currency reset and also uh, with the overall global change of things that's going to be happening. And so now when you start seeing this stuff in the news um, for what is happening, that um, U.S.-Canada-Mexico uh, trade agreement, that was in the news, made headlines. And also the Brexit situation, well, we've been talking about that as well, and with uh, England separating away from uh, the, the Union. And so the, and the next um, thing that we've been um, predicting is the global currency reset and also uh, going over to common law, getting away from statutory law and Nisara Jisara. Nisara is the National Economic Security and Reformation Act, and Jisara is the Global Economic Security and Reformation Act that's going to be uh, initiated by, by various countries um, throughout the world. Um, Okay, so if you want to make comments on that, it's fine. And also with this thing about black on black corporate crime. And it's one of the things that um, kind of really irks me. And uh, because, you know, uh, a lot of us who are independent, we have our various businesses and networks. And, and I just don't see us being visible. I don't see the people um, calling in to our radio shows or downloading our films and, and music and in our books and, and the things that we have to offer, even just making comments or even getting on the, our mailing list. And I don't see the interaction between, because I see it once a year at Channel 5, a meet and greet and exchanging of uh, uh, business cards, but I don't see the follow-up. I don't see the unity amongst black uh, businesses and black folks supporting uh, uh, black businesses. And like I said in my opening monologue, uh, the $1.3 trillion that we spend annually into this economy, but you don't see a presence like a, a black Wall Street that was in Tulsa, Oklahoma before they blew it up or during the Har Har Harlem uh, Renaissance days when Harlem was a, a thriving economy and even with 7th Street in uh, West Oakland, which was one of the hot spots for entertainment and where um, our people gathered on Friday and Saturday nights and and had Slim Jenkins barbecue and, and various places to go over there and to have soul food in the nighttime where where black folks, and because I know my mother and father used to frequent these places on 7th Street and and Miss Dorsey's over here on Shattuck Avenue, and they would all get dressed up, and the men would always wear those suits with the thin ties on, and, and it was just a generational thing back in the 50s and 60s, how all of them would come together and, and uh, unify, but it was all under a situation of having a good time and fun and um and you just don't see that same type of uh, synergy and energy as it pertains to the the black family and also black friends and and whatever and so if you want to make comments on that from our unity from the 50s 60s and 70s feel free to do so and even also uh, there's this uh, 
uh, channel that's on, I've seen it on Comcast, and they show a lot of the black films from the 70s. And then when you see people like Fred Williamson and Jim Brown and, and all these cats on there, and, and, and you see the dialogue that was uh, with them and talking to other black men. Hey, brother, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? What's up, mama? Whatever. And so there was a stronger sense with the films in the 70s of, um, of, of black unity and black uh, respect. Now, they did have some issues with other Macs or other uh, drug type dealers, you know, but, uh, you know, if they got into a skirmish, it was done in a very respectful way. And so you can see the fundamental differences uh, in our people. So I, I encourage uh, you to look at some of those films from the 70s and, and look at the, the dialogue that, um, that we were using in the 70s versus the dialogue that we use today. And uh, when the black women nowadays are just openly calling themselves uh, bitches and then on the internet, I, I mean, I can't hardly even go through Instagram without seeing what up my nigga, nigga this, nigga that. I mean, what has gotten into our people? Are we that uh, so systematically uh, destroyed that now we refer to ourselves as a nigga? And nigga is the, probably the most evil word on planet earth and if anybody has a word that's more evil than that word please let us know i don't see anything that is just uh as as bad as that word nigga i mean it is it, the definitions of it it is actually the lowest form of a human being as someone who has lost total knowledge of self and who you are, and is is basically you've you've lost a conscience, you've lost a soul. You you can take another man's life or another woman's life, and without caring, you can go and shoot somebody's mother or father without any remorse. You do it for a gang initiation. That's what a nigga will do. A black man or a black woman will not go out here and sell drugs or or kill somebody for a gang initiation or, or break in somebody's house and steal their color TV or their radio and, and just shoot them dead because they want to go out and sell it for $20. A black man and black woman don't do that because the black man and black woman was the direct creation of the creator of this planet and we were brought here in peace. And after we were dispersed of in West Africa and come over here and got the holy hell beat out of us and, and getting your beautiful name taken away from you, getting your religion taken away from you and converted into this European version of, of Christianity. And now we have been gone from a black man, black woman, a black king or queen or a prince or a chief or somebody's heading up a, a, a tribe or or clan there in, in Africa, and now you're going to the lowest extent of being a crip or a blood or 
commonly called the word a nigga. Um, Africans in Africa and Africans in America, this is something I kind of mention on each one of my shows. And I'm really having a um, real internal issue um, with this thing, with Africans in Africa and us. I call us Africans in America. And those of us who were sold from the West Coast of Africa and brought in here into this country and made into who we are today. And even today, even if you have some degree of presence about yourself, you still lack the knowledge of who you are, where you came from, who you, what your name is. And so therefore, Africans in Africa have, have a certain disdain uh, for us here in America. And I'm beginning to see it more and more and more and more. And when I impose the question of Africans in Africa and Africans in America, are we one of the same? And for years, I've been fighting this issue now for 20 years. And when I have said that, no, we are one of the same, even though our bloodline may have been diluted by European bloodline, by uh, Indian bloodline, but still, even with myself being 61% Nigerian, I still have this affinity towards Africa. And I'm not trying to take anything from anybody in Africa, but uh, I see that the Africans in Africa, and as it respects to us, what they want from us, they want money, they want favors, they want considerations to get out of Africa and get over here and get a better life. I even asked a, a Nigerian friend of mine, he's in Nigeria now until the end of the month. And I was talking to him about this issue and my concerns um, that um, that we're not one of the same. And, and, he, and he told me, and this kind of really blew me away. He says, any of those Nigerians that you know in Africa, the ones that are there now, would wish that they had been captured during slavery and brought here. Now they're referencing their ancestors because my great-great-grandfathers and great-great-grandmothers were captured and brought here. Theirs weren't. And so they were left in that condition in Africa today. Those people are suffering in Nigeria because of many Nigerians that I do know and, and are, are, are friends of mine uh, they're suffering. They're, they are really suffering in Nigeria. And he's given me daily reports on what's really um, going on over there. And he's seeing the suffering big time as it persists over there in Nigeria. And, and but these people that are there, the, the average citizen, and, and, and they're suffering because of what people up in the government. I mean, money, Nigeria is is not generating, I mean, they're generating funds, billions and billions and billions of dollars on an annual basis, but it is being stolen by those at the top. Uh, they're in their country and those people at the top, uh, they're in that country. And this happens in various African nations. They don't give a damn about the citizens. They, they take hundreds of billions of dollars and they ship these monies up to Switzerland 
And then when they get kicked out of office, they move from Africa and go up to Europe and buy mansions and yachts and, and live a very wealthy and prosperous life off of the monies that they stole from their country. And I mean, these people, uh, you know, we talk about what, what the Europeans and the Americans did to us and have been doing to us. I mean, they perfected that art for sure. But the Africans, the, the leadership that are stealing and robbing from their own people are no better than the European slash Americans that did it to us over the past 400 years here in America. So if you want to elaborate on that, it's cool. Uh, domestic politics, we see that uh, uh, Trump now is going to get set free uh, next week, the day after he does his uh, annual speech on Tuesday. And now the Senate is going to turn around and just uh, let him go. And they're saying, if you're president of the United States, you can just commit a crime if that means that it's on behalf of the president and his better interests. And they elected not to bring any witnesses uh, up to make a case and who were witnesses to what uh, was done and the crimes that were perpetrated. And these uh, Republicans have, in the Senate have come together collectively and said, hey man, no matter what, the hell with it. Let the Democrats get up there and, and make all their speeches. They, they, they were up there like to 1 o'clock in the morning for a whole week saying this is what this cat has done. They laid out a very elegant uh, complaint against the president and now it's the Republicans time and they've gotten up there and said some bull crap is not even worth listening to. And now they're saying, hey, we're going to set him free. We're not even going to uh, bring the witnesses in to make a, a case uh, against the Democratic argument. So what is this really saying, people? You know, no matter what you do when you go to that voting booth, you don't know um, um, how these numbers are really adding up. And then once they do take uh, control there in D.C., your little damn funky ass vote don't mean a damn thing. They're not there to uh, represent us. When was the last time the, the president of the United States says go around and fix the, the potholes in the in the streets and in the highways to go get uh, what about the schools? The, the schools are the same schools that I've seen back in the 60s, the same paint on them. Uh, clean the schools up, secure the schools, get a security team at the schools so you don't have all these damn shootings uh, in the schools, improve your airports, clean up the water systems, quit buying the damn oil from East Africa and, and get off of energy dependence and go to alternative energy platforms so you don't have to buy the damn oil from the East. And various things, why are you still spraying the damn chemtrails up here in the air? Why is medicine so damn expensive? Why, how come there's not freedom, justice, and equality in the country? How come none of these things are being put out there, but all we see in the news is just issues against a politician. Oh, look what this Republican did to me. Look what this Democrat has done to me. 
And now all you see is embattlement between the politicians and the people who are paying the taxes in this country, the people who are voting, uh, the people who, who are just uh, living on a day-to-day -day basis trying to survive. You're paying too much uh, for rent. You're paying too much for interest. Uh, you got these these, these uh, secondary lenders that are going out here raping the people and, and, and charging exorbitant amounts in interest rates. There, there's nothing being out, put out there to stop this predatory lending against people. And uh, I was just reading an article uh, just a little while ago before I went on the air uh, about CPAC, the uh, Republican um, uh, convention group that meets once a year uh, as now, because Mitt Romney uh, voted to bring in witnesses. Um, and let's hear what they had to say, the people who know what the real deal was with this whole Ukraine situation. And him and, and the woman Collins voted to let him come in. And now CPAC has said, Romney, you're running for president, so we're not letting your ass come to the Republican convention. Man, oh man, oh man. Okay, before we go to the boards, as you know, we had a tragic incident uh, a week ago tomorrow with the uh, death of uh, Kobe Bryant in a helicopter crash. I get calls on this issue on a daily basis and what may have happened and with that situation. It's a tired situation when you um, see anybody uh, with a child uh, go down like that. You don't know how long they were floating around up there in the air. You don't know if, if they were saying their last minute prayers or hugging each other for the last time. I mean, not only Kobe and his girl, but the other people that were on the helicopter at the same time. And when you're up there in distress and in trouble and you don't know to go left or right, you don't know whether to go high, go low. And, and so when you just leave Orange County where it's always sunshine and now you're going over there over Interstate 5 and 101 and heading in a northwest condition and it's always fog in that area coming through that grapevine area when you get into a higher elevations you're going to hit some heavy 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 duty fog and so why would the damn pilot go and fly directly into it and then also kobe's been flying around in helicopters for years but it's always a risk when you take to the air like that, anything can happen mechanically or even sabotage can also happen as, as well. So um, you just don't know what could possibly go wrong. And this is why um, uh, when you make a drastic change in your life and when you, uh, when you have the, the pleasure of being blessed economically for security reasons, you're going to have to be careful about your lifestyle and how you live and people who you hang around and how you travel. And even uh, I saw Will Smith here in a video clip uh, a little while ago, jumping out of a helicopter with a bungee cord. And here's a cat that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars 
why would you do something so damn stupid and risk your life? You've been blessed to have wealth and riches, and you go up here and do dumb things like that. You got a wife and you got children and take risks in life like that. It, it, it just doesn't make freaking sense. And, and for a situation like this, as it pertains to the, the uh, uh, Kobe situation, and you got other people's lives in there. If you'd have just gone in a helicopter by yourself, you crashed into a mountain, okay, that's your ass. But you got other people on there as well, and you take everybody's lives into consideration. And so why didn't you just uh, get your limousine van and get your ass up early in the morning and scoot, and you get to the, the, the basketball game and do what you do? And so just as a warning to you, you guys out there, and especially those of you who hold exotic currencies and preparing for the global currency um, reset, and just because you get blessed overnight with uh, an abundance of riches, just keep in mind that um, don't risk it all. You've suffered long enough waiting for this day to happen. The signs are happening now. They're telling you in the news certain things are happening. And from what we're hearing now, that the United States Corporation ended Thursday night at midnight. And supposedly by tomorrow, we're supposed to be a restored republic. And on Tuesday, uh, Trump should be announcing the new global currency reset and returning back to the gold standard. So let's hear what you got to say. I know Dr. Quake Cool's over there burning up, ready to fire up the world right now. Go ahead, Doc. Hotep. <laughs> Hotep, brother, you had uh, quite a, a, a solidity uh, going now. I mean, I don't know what subject you didn't hit on, you know, but it's... Um, yes, sir. It's... it's, it's, it's uh, you know, when you were talking about Nigeria and these people, they, they want to get over here. And I, I think more than they want to come here is that somehow, uh, you know, with that $1.3 trillion that we spend here in America, you know, somehow we have to find ways to access resources so that we can start to keep in some of that money within the community. But even more important than, than the actual goal or money or whatever exotics that you may have uh, economically, we have to do something about our thinking. You know, why is it necessary for the, the brothers and sisters in Nigeria to want to get to America? You know, and we have to answer that question first. You know, what makes it so difficult for them to to function and survive and be, you know, economically sound there rather than coming here? Uh, I look around myself, and I was just thinking about uh, a situation. I look around, and I said, wow, why uh, are we so discombobulated? Why are we so psychologically damaged? Why is it that we don't? We've allowed our souls to be stolen out of our essence, uh, and for the for the sake of the so-called American dream, which is 
is an American nightmare for 99% of the people who are here. And I'm talking about even white people, you know. Uh, why are we willing to do that? And, and, and you know, you can do things uh, in a pattern so long and see that there's no advantage to, to operating in that pattern. Why do we keep doing it? Why are we continuously doing things that are detrimental to our own way of being, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, however? Why is that? And, and, and it just tells me that not only have the the so-called this three or four or five percent of the people who control ninety-five percent of the wealth on the planet, not only have they stole all of the resources, but they have managed to uh, promote uh, philosophies throughout through their educational systems, through their religious systems, through every system they have that have cause us to be totally dysfunctional or uh, 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 disconnected from from who we really are as a people. Mm-hmm. And it's just ironic that we see ourselves as nothing if we don't have a lot of money or don't have a lot of wealth that we can't live in the, in the mountains. And, and we see ourselves as being great if we're able to live like Kobe Bryant or Will Smith or these people. And you say, well, why would Will Smith be jumping out of you know, taking the risk when he's that because getting that type of wealth of becoming that, you know, you know, just becoming so in, entwined with American culture and and what's positive and what's negative, we we become bored. We become bored with uh, that, no matter how much we get. And I, I always ask the question. Why is it these rich people are always, it used to be a time when they get rich, they went mess around and die of pills, overdose, or, or, or something. And you see a lot of these stars and people who have made two gobs of money, but for whatever reason, they have no soul, they have no spirit, and they've lost connection with their humanity. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in the past, I, I have been just as 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 rather, you know just as justifiable as, as other people are looking at the economics but i think you know a guy asked a question last night are we ready for reparation although i disagree with him as a black man asking that question who determines whether we are ready for reparations you understand what i'm saying yes so yes. there's just there's so many things that 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 mischaracterize what life is supposed to be about. You know, there's so many things that mischaracterize till it's impossible for the people who are growing up and who are being uh, miseducated in this system to get a grasp on who they are. It's not who you are anymore, it's what you are. You, I am this, I am that, I am whatever uh, is the flavor of the, of the week. But who we are, if you ask the average person, who are you? They'll start telling you about what they got, where they live, where they went to school, all these kinds of things. And, and that's not the question. The question is, who are you? And so we've come to a place in, in this society now where we don't have a clear understanding 
of who we are. So that makes our direction that much more difficult. Because if you don't know where you're at, you don't know where you're going. How ready do, do you have to be, Doc? I mean, I would love to ask that, Kat, this. Are you ready for reparation? And in the simplistic form, just to keep it ghetto simple, reparation just means an exchange for something that was done illegally years ago. Okay, so now that means just write a check. Write me a check for amount of money for an apology. Yeah, you stand up, you say your apology, and here's to prove my apology. Here is a check for a certain amount of money for the value of the 400 years that you have been working for us uh, here in the United States of America. So here's a check and here's apology, reparations paid, and now let's just get on and put this behind us. So how ready do you have to be to receive a fucking check? Well, well, if I had to be honest about the question, you know, how are we ready or how do we prepare? At the state that we're functioning at psychologically and the lack of breakdown of the communication or establishing of of, of, of support for each other, I'd say we, we're not ready because, you know, it doesn't matter how many dollars you get if your mindset is screwed up. If your mindset is, is, is mean, it has a whole other meaning for you. If, you know, if somebody gave you $10 million today and you were still, I'm not talking about you personally, but I'm talking about the average John Doe, they go out and buy everything that they think they ever dreamed of in their lifetime instead of saying, well, you know, how about preparation for future offsprings, grandkids, great-grandkids, and establishing a legacy of growth and development through that process? You understand what I mean? Right. Yeah, I that's the generational wealth aspect of it. Yeah. And so how do we get people to transform their mental capacity from getting wealth and, and being used by that wealth versus getting wealth and using that wealth for the benefit of the generation. Yeah, Doc, it, it'll never happen. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we have to face that, in, and if you go back to one of the things I said in my opening soliloquy is about nigga, what we have been converted into uh, when we were taken from the West Coast, whether we were a king or queen, a prince or a princess, a chief, head of a tribe, head of a clan, whatever, in West Africa and brought over here. And what I'm seeing right here on this freaking internet right now, you can go to Instagram right now, nigga, 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 bitch, 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 bitch. Feel that bitch to suck my, my lizard and all this kind of nonsensical bullshit. These people are not going, they, they've been converted. It's like getting bitten on the neck by a vampire. And now you 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 become wake up every night, you a damn vampire turning green and fangs all out your, your mouth. You got to go find somebody to bite the neck and suck their freaking blood out. When I, when I look on the internet nowadays, is this internet could be a beautiful thing to exchange news and views and information. And the point that you just brought up, which is a very, very important part, fixing our people mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and getting them back to a black person. That's why I did that comparison about those films in the 70s. That's why I've been seeing a few of them over the past few weeks. Hey, brother, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? Hey, mama, you looking good today. 
not eight, bitch. You looking good. Come suck my Johnson. You know, it, it, it's, it's been a difference in what we have been converted into. So the thing of it is, Doc, how do you convert a nigga, N-I-G-G-A, into a black man or a black woman? The beautifulness that's in black. And on the internet, you can also see these images and pictures of beautiful uh, black women with the, uh, the African attire in the in the in the in the beauty in the in the skin and then the, the whole mental capacity for which you deal with with as a profession doc it, it is so bad right now and it and then but the white folks would say look we gave you a black president so now it's over we wash our hands of it like homeboy did in the bible hey i washed my hands okay go kill jesus now and so now uh, uh, we gave you a black president, so racism is over. Now reparations, here we're paying you for 400 years of, of, of slavery. And so therefore, that part is over now. Slavery is over. 160 years post-slavery is over with. Racism is over because you had a black president. And so therefore, we wash our hands of you. Here is your $10 million check that you're mentioning, Doc. Somebody give you 10 million bucks. Of course, they're going to get out here and buy a Cadillac and some suede hues and shoes and a fur coat and, and go wear a fur coat in the middle of July down in Alabama somewhere with some green shoes and a blue hat and some pink pants. Yeah, they're going to do that kind of bullshit. They're going to go out to the same damn liquor store where they always go and get a bottle of Thunderbird and some damn Ripple and mix it with some red Kool-Aid. They're going to still do that. They're going to get some good weed. No, no, they ain't going to get no good weed. They're going to get some bad weed. And they're going to still do the haps that a Negro slash nigga, and I don't ever use that word, but we're here on Galaxy Talk Radio. I got to make emphasis on where I'm coming from nowadays. It's going to take, and I've often, I've been saying this for years, I've been saying it for 30, 40 years now, Doc, in order for us to change like that, Doc, you'd be killing yourself by holding classes and teach them, listen to what you got to say. They'll, they'll not. As uh, I see Farrakhan on, on, on the television, he'll go out here and have thousands of people talk to him and everybody's cheering up and down. But by the time they leave that meeting and on come Monday morning, they're going right back to where they, they were, what they were. And so, Doc, in order for this to happen, it's going to require an off planet solution, use your own interpretation, what all planet is, you might call it God, you might call it the aliens, you might want to call it whatever it is. And if I talk to some other spiritual people who I talk to on a daily basis, they're going to say, we got to move from this third dimensional to the fifth dimension. And this is what we're transferring into now. It's a whole nother dimension in life to whereas the evil that's here on this third, uh, third, third, third dimension cannot survive in that fifth dimension. And you got to go through a whole global change. And even those who are other colors and nationalities, whether they're, they're brown, they're white, they're red, they're yellow, or whatever they may be, some of these people could be good. And so therefore, if you are good, you will survive the transition from this dimension to the next, and then 
you will see that we will no longer be uh, the nigger and then those other races, whatever they call the lowest form of their races are too. So please excuse me, doc, but I see this stuff in, in the phone calls that I get on a daily basis, man. It, it's, it's, I started not even come on the radio today. <laughs> I just started to go down by the water side and just look at the water, yeah, man. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking the same thing, man. I said, well, what are we doing? You know, uh, who's listening? But then I, I, it always comes back to me, it doesn't matter. You know, and I think it's something my grandmother and them used to say, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. You have, you have to be true to one's own self. Mm-hmm. If your own self tell you that you're going in the wrong direction, nine times out of ten, you're going in the wrong direction. You know? And so how do we instill the, the idea in a person's mind that they are worth more than what America has to offer? You know, they're worth more than a job. They're worth more than living in the suburbs. They're worth, you know, their soul. There is no price to put on a person's soul. But it's kind of like this, you know, like my friends and relatives who were ex-crackheads and the ones that survived that usually come out of it on their own and say, I'm tired of this bullshit. Uh, I'm tired of this twinking and all this. And they see the light themselves. And then they yeah. and they seek their redemption and then they come out on their own. But if they don't see it, Doc, they'll listen to what you have to say. But damn, let them get out of your presence within an hour or two. They go into that liquor store and get that bottle ripple and, and they're going right back uh, to what they were, man. But until they hear it, now it's our obligation to get on this radio. We'll put it out there. Those are, that are right here on the screen right now that are listening live, they hear it. These shows are often they're downloaded by, by whom? I don't, whoever, I don't know. And I got other people that listen that I don't even see on the screen. They say, I heard your show, man. I didn't see you on the screen, but I heard you. They repeated what I was saying. And so the people are out there, they are listening, they're downloading the shows, and it's cool. And I, and I got my, my same little uh, screen audience here that's on the screen right now waiting to talk. And, and, and so, Doc, we just, that's my obligation. That's my job as Galaxy Chief, Doc, is to just say it, express it. I've done it. And so when my book is opened by the divine creator, he can point out some of the good things that I've done in life. And uh, I got some bad things I've done too. And and so, but here's some good things and maybe the good things that I've done in life, it will exceed the back bad things that I've done. And so we continue to do what we do. And you too, doc, I mean, you know, you keep doing what you do. We got to keep talking our talk. I basically say the same thing week after week after week. I, I guess got a, the same old song. I might put a few little more vocals to it, uh, a few little more words to it. I might go a little higher sometimes, a little lower sometimes, but I'm singing the same song and, and I'm consistent to what I'm saying, Doc. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's it, you know, because I, I have to ask myself, why do you keep putting yourself through this? And then I have to read back, mm-hmm. go back, and evaluate that. It's okay. Wait a minute. 
you're not putting yourself through something. You're doing something that you believe in your soul, in the essence of who you are, that this is the right thing to do. And every living being on this planet has the responsibility of doing it. But how do you get people to start to ask the question of themselves? You know, you ask, you question yourself before you question other people. I see people fighting like dogs over social media. Want to say one thing and other come in, no, that ain't right, you're wrong. You're, and they get to almost cursing each other out and stuff. And so what I'll do a lot of time when I respond to them, and I say, look, how about we just listen to each other for a few minutes? It doesn't matter whether we agree, but let's just start to listen. Because to start to listen uh, creates a dynamic by, of understanding where people can say, okay, I don't agree with John, but he has the right to think that. Okay, how can I get draw John over to my way of thinking? Or how can I get him to you know, to give and, uh, you know, other stuff, things, an option, another another idea, an option. You know, because uh, too often we are locked into our, our places. You know, I believe that you got blacks who don't believe that we ought to get reparations. You got blacks who, who look around and say, oh, well, slavery did it. Well, it wasn't just 400 or 500 years of slavery. This stuff been going on for over 2,000 years, brother. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. understand? So, that is a total indoctrination of to for us to be where we are now. How many yes. people ask themselves, "Why do I think of myself as less? Why do I uh, believe that to go go to school and get a job and go working for white people is my opportunity? What makes me think that when everything around us says it's not?" So yes, we go yes. against our better judgment and better information on an everyday basis. And people are right now somewhere telling their son and daughters, go to high school, go to college, you're going to grow up and be successful, you're going to get this great opportunity, and they're going to wind up just like the rest of us out here paying bills uh, uh, in a survival mode all of their lives. That's not where we're supposed to be. You can't be spiritual and be in survival mode all the time. Yes, I know. You and you made a good point too, Doc, about how we do this and, and what do we get in return? Like when you out here, I know you teaching on a daily basis, Doc, and a lot of people listen and respect, to you, respect you, but what are you getting in return for it? I'm talking about on, on, the, on an economic level, just like myself here at Galaxy Talk Radio. I right, do these right. shows yeah. uh, prime time on a Saturday. You know, I should be outside washing my car and pulling weeds and that sort of thing, going out going for my walk. But you know what, man, and like a lot of times, man, I, I prepare for my show on Friday nights and it just depends on how I feel. Last night, I went to bed at seven o'clock last night and I get up at six o'clock to prepare for this show, because people know uh, when you get on the air like this, if you are really prepared, or if you just getting on here and you haven't studied, you haven't researched, and people would know that. And but what do I get in return? And all I ask for people to do is just uh, download your book or download our music or, or listen to our film and, and support us. Tell other people listen to our twenty four seven. Um, a day uh, uh, music radio station in the background while you're working or whatever you're doing and 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 support us and tell other people about T25CL uh, 
And this is what I ask for people to do in return, because I'm not getting paid for this at all. I'm not a professional broadcaster or anything like that, even though I'm getting more and more comfortable with uh, doing this. And and mm -hmm. so, uh, but I, I, I kind of like doing it. I, I kind of like sharing information and news to the world in, in doing this. But, uh, but no, we don't get anything in return. And this is what I call black on black corporate uh, crime. Um, Dr. Right. Who has a book on our on our website, Whiteout, and and so at least support Dr. Kwaku. If you if you're not calling him in to get some type of mental therapy, support him by buying his book. The book is what is it, three ninety five? I, I think it is electronic book. Yeah. It downloads yeah. to your your listening device. Support him. He gets a little piece of that. T two five CL gets a little piece of it. Support Dr. Kwekua and his efforts. The brother comes on my show every week. He he supports me and my endeavors. He, he also has his show on, on Tuesday nights. And Doc, I'm not getting invitations from you on your, on your show. You got to get those invitations out to the people. Well, I don't know why. Well, that was a couple of weeks I didn't. But I, most of the time I send out those invitations with those but you know we'll we'll get better at that. Like you say, I'm I'm not a professional radio jockey either, but mm. I think that we have something that's very viable and instrumental for the development and growth for this community, and we have to keep doing it. Sometimes I wonder if we, sometimes we're not always on at the right time. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was thinking the other day, and this is not about show. Maybe we should have a midnight show for people who can't sleep. People who may be active. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call in then. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and we, so, we can do what we can do whatever we want to do, man. It's yeah. and so it's it's all good. Matter of fact, now that you mention that, see, that's why I do my show on Saturday mornings because I look at my show as a global show, and I did it for the edification for the people in Africa because they're eight to ten hours ahead of us. And and so that's why I do my show on on Saturday mornings, and so that they had they can uh, and some of the shows the Africans were were calling in, and so um, but no that's my little promo little stick. I mean I'm I'm really am a stickler on this uh, black on black corporate crime. This is distinctly different from black on black crime where we go out here in the yeah. streets and shoot one another and rob one another. And and, and 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 breaking in and selling some selling somebody's uh, eight track stereo system with a color TV or something like that, and, and and but this is just about just support. I don't care if it's a black owned barbecue business, ice cream business, donut shop, or something like that. Support that black owned business, and and if these black owned business people would just uh, let us know here at T25CL, we'll put them out there. We'll be more specific about these black on these black business owners should be coming to t25cl and doing advertisements on the website called and being a part of our radio shows and promoting their businesses and and having their followers participate this should be a, a stopping point for all the black businesses in the country and if not the world to come here 
to T25CL Entertainment and especially Galaxy Talk Radio to promote yourself so that we can buy, sell, and trade amongst one another. This $1.3 trillion that's floating out there on an annual basis, on a daily basis, is getting spent. You know, share some of it here. And yeah, I know you can go back and give it to the other folks too. And we, we know that, that some of us still got that slave mentality, but when you kind of wake up a little bit, come on home to, to where we are and support us in our endeavors. Okay, hold on, Doc. Let's kind of go to the board. I think Gregory got his hand up, and then we're going to go to Sister Gina as well. Brother Gregory, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, and I. how are you? Oh, I'm cool, man. It's just been a rough week with all this stuff that I've been seeing in the news and and just the state of the world that we're in. But uh, but if everything holds true, it should be a much better place next week. Yeah, and that's part of why I'm joining you as well, is that uh, one of the new th- news uh, uh, stories that's out right now is that uh, the Blacks for Trump are helping him to advertise. And they are actually, they were, according to the news today, they were out uh, giving away $10,000 to people to follow Trump. So he's literally, literally paying uh, black people to to follow him now. Yeah, and we believe it, then. And that's what he does. And and then remember that speech he gave about a year or two ago. Oh, I got an African American. Where is he? He pointed him out. Uh, one brother out there in the crowd, a bunch of white folks, and he pointed him out. Yeah, there's my African American over there. And so, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to yeah. do that. And uh, uh, who was that who sent me and something last their... week? I think Gina sent me something that they're paying people to come into a Trump rally and, and, and hold up signs and all that stuff. Of course, because he doesn't That's have... That's what they're doing today. And they've got a, a bunch of uh, black ministers that are out there promoting all of this. Yeah, the, the, and it's not the, Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. We, we got our kind of people. I mean, hell, we see it in the slave movies. There you go to every slave movie uh, created, you're, you're going to find that there was some brother there from the plantation that that sold out, and and so mm-hmm. you're 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 going to uh, see that in the black church, especially because you know I, I I say this and sometimes I say it regretfully that we weren't Christians in West Africa when we were there, we were converted to Christianity once we hit the shores of America. And now, and, and, and I understand, you, you might say, oh, yeah, that, that white man, that slave master would have come up to me and, and tried to do that to me, I'll kick his ass. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, but see, that's what you say now in 2020, but when you got, when you witnessing another slave getting the shit beat out of him by a whip, it'll change your mind mighty quickly about your attitude. And when, um, and when they're teaching you or converting you, see, you can't make a man from Africa, you just can't come take somebody from Africa and put him out here on a plantation, tell him pick cotton out there in 110 degree 
weather. He ain't quite going for that right off Jump Street. And so you've got to go through the processes and strip him of his, his uh, Muhammad name or Mbutu name or Shabazz name. Or, and you've got to put Willie mm -hmm. and Joe and, and Franklin. And that's the first thing you got to do is call him out of his name and put the European version uh, brand upon him with that name. No, your name's not Toby. And, and that's why Trump has us. And that's I mean, where Trump is so promoting his uh, that method again today, yeah. uh, with his his ministers that he has trained. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so it's it's the same thing uh, from uh, the teacher from the plantation, and that's why uh, there's this book. You can see it on the T2PICO uh, website: uh, How to Make a Negro Christian. And that's what they um, uh, did to us during slavery. It, you had to make, uh, yeah, that's the name of it, How to Make a Negro Christian by uh, this cat by the name of Dr. Reverend Dr. Charles Colcock Jones. And he was a slave owner that owned three plantations. He developed a system to make slaves more submissive and easier to control by converting them to Christianity. Over his times, mm -hmm. over over time, his methods proved highly successful and became standard operating procedures for most slave owners. So these are documented facts. This ain't just some bullshit I just made up last night. This is documented evidence of what has happened. And so why would a Negro in his right mind in 2020 get up on sunday morning and put on their duds and go to the same church that enslaved you and and, and i know quake who's got some terms for that that cognizant dissonance thing and well, it, it just well, you know, it's, go ahead Don. You know, the main thing about that is that it wasn't just, I think this is from this, and remember I was talking a while ago about you, you were talking about four or 500 years of slavery. Well, this was something started uh, a couple thousand years ago uh, when uh, Alexander the, the, the Greek, not the great, Alexander the Greek, uh, after his father, Philip, had went on, he had raised him up to, 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 to conquer the whole world. And, but they were not the first ones to try to conquer the whole world. But one of the things, the main thing that came out of these different uh, episodes of being conquered by other people was the fact that you can conquer people in battle, but you can't maintain it unless somehow you can change their whole way that they think. And so that's why they came up with this whole religious thing, you know, when they went into that, uh, when they, uh, you know, uh, the 1600s, uh, you know, when they come up, okay, uh, uh, even the Catholic Church, yeah, we we can have slaves, but they can only be black slaves. And then uh, 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 Constantine never made it the law of the land. You either had to be Christian or they killed you or stoned you, you know? And uh, so well, they had to have some way of identifying them. Yeah, well, not just identifying them. That was part of it, too. But to know who is uh, in support of where we're on our way to. Now, if you join up, 
that will be people who rejected it. Eris rejected that whole Christianity thing. And he came up and told him, said, look here, wait a minute. Before you people came into our country, we ain't never heard of nobody named no Jesus Christ. So you come in here now telling us that this is a new God that you created and we have to worship. And what happened to Eris? You know, he was exiled the same way Marcus Garvey or Malcolm or Martin. They always do this to people. This, so this has not been going on for 500 years. It's been going on for a few thousand years. For a thousand years. Yeah, Oh, well, yeah, slavery's yeah, yeah. been around for a thousand years, but I'm talking about the American slavery, which was the most brutal form of slavery. In Africa, but, but, they might but, have a little but, you know, disagreement with other tribes. They might capture you, capture me. That means you got to come over here and work for me for six months, but you can still go home at night and go, but got to go back and work for me for six months. They didn't change right. your name. And, they, they, they and let you, you also go. became part of the family. Yeah, 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 they didn't but, beat the shit out you, Doc, and they didn't do none of that. They they just made you yeah, come but, work for them. But they wasn't trying to conquer the world, see? Yeah, no, that was a whole other aspect. They were, uh, you know, protecting their interests. And if you, it's just like if you got caught in battle, like I say, you come and work for somebody for six months or a year, you go home, uh, you know, whatever. You know, that's all it was. And yeah. so, but we have to, we have to understand that these people have a whole nother agenda. The agenda is to conquer the world and control all of its resources. And there's but one way to do that is that you have to conquer and the way people think and change their mind about the way they think. In order to do that, you have to change who they are. You can't tell uh, Mabuto, uh, you know, to go to that pick no cotton. You know, because Mabuto going to tell you right up front, hey, I ain't making no cotton. That's not yep. what I come on this planet for. But if John named after his slave master, you can tell John to go pick cotton and go do his thing. And he's going to obey it because he knows, you know, that there's some, some, uh, some, some, uh, <coughs> there's a price that he has to pay if he don't follow direction. See, we were but if, a free but if you can convince a nation, you can convince a nation that they are your resources, and people like the word resources. That makes you feel important. Yeah, well, you know, it's so, one thing. Resources, resources are usually controlled by some entity. And so yes. then you have to ask the question, you know, I don't want to be a resource. You know, only not neither, in that do, neither do I. Yeah. You know, I want to be me, whatever that is. That, you know, it's just like, uh, 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 you know, but about we, grandfather. But we do live in a nation. Yeah, they, we they do have, live in a nation that has has convinced us that we are important people as a resource. Yeah, but you know, like I say, you we we live in a world where we've been taught one thing, and it's totally uh, contrary to who we really are. And when you are every day, I imagine for years and thousands of years, hundreds of years, people have been fighting that battle and small bits of information seep through and these people who have gravitated toward it uh, are usually getting destroyed in the process. And so I think sometimes when we, we tend to think of ourselves as, as kind of revolutionary in spirit, I think sometimes we get a little fearful about where we're we going or are we really going anywhere? And that's already questioning yourself about that. But the thing about it is you should always follow, you know, follow your own mind. 
you know, and that gets back to what uh, Andre was talking about, cognitive dissonance, capable of having an original thought of your own. And so we have been uh, victimized to the point where every thought that we think is something that somebody gave us, you know, and so we have to start to question it. Well, why did they tell me this? Why did they want me to have a different name? Why did they want me to be Christian? You know, why did they make rules that uh, won't allow me to flourish in their system? And and if, if we could just step back from our reality that we think we're in and start to ask those questions of ourselves, we might eventually uh, come together. And I, I agree with Andre now. You know, sometimes I think we're looking for the immediate gratification, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's coming in no time soon. I think we might have to have one of those uh, uh, out of space uh, uh, things coming through that's going to bring us back to reality. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you, you saw universal changes in, in the scriptures with floods and and fires and all this sort of stuff. They had to go and kill off uh, part of the people there on the planet. Now, it, it, even if it didn't really happen, I'm just saying what is written there and, and and with the flood, they had to go and annihilate a whole bunch of people. They didn't get everybody, but they knocked off. Uh, a whole majority of people enough, on, on the enough planet. to scare the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, because there were some terrible, terrible people there, and so you had to eradicate them. And so now the same thing in this year of 2020, and because of the evil that's in the United States, that's in South Africa. I mean, South South America. That's in Africa. That's in Europe. That's in Asia. That's in Canada. It's everywhere throughout this world. And and that's why a friend of mine who's an Indian brother is saying that we are entering into the fifth dimension. And the evil people of this planet that are here in this third, and sometimes he says fourth, cannot exist in the fifth dimension well, of existence. Well, you you, you got to understand one thing, that these people that, that, that created this madness that we're in, they created this good and evil and the devil, good and bad. There are good people on this earth that have done bad things. There are bad yeah. things on this people on this earth that have done good things. But the way these your religions coordinate this process is just that once you do something, you know, uh, you know, they have you under this uh, guys that unless you uh, go and ask Christ to forgive you, and, and if you have not made that mental, spiritual connection, it's hard for you to believe. You, you keep going back to the well, even though you know the well is dry. You mm-hmm. know, so we have, to, we have to get people to understand that. And I tell people that all the time, and they say, oh, great, who you're wrong. I said, if the God that you believe in, the God that you worship, if there's not a benefit coming out of that, it's possible that you may be worshiping the wrong God. But they jump all over me about that. <laughs> you know, no, wait, go, uh, look what God done to Job. I said, well, what about the fact that Job didn't exist? You know what I'm talking about? So yeah. they are operating off of a fictitious book. A big book, and and yet they have all of their dreams, hopes, is wrapped up into that. 
that fictitious book. That yeah. in itself yeah. uh, sets the, set the stage for the confusion. And that's and, so, and that's why you're yeah. necessary today. That's why you're necessary to be on the on the air. Yeah. Um, and there are some there are simpler resources as to what's going on just like as the subject that I brought up today which is that the they've got a black ministry group that's that's going around paying the people to follow Donald Trump right now today Oh yeah oh yeah paying $10,000 Yeah and you know what that is you could bet your bottom dollar that they've been bought out and sold out and tripled out you know, well, they definitely why, have. Anybody that knows any history of Rump, I don't call him Trump no more, I call him Rump. <laughs> anybody, well, his actual name is Drump. Yeah. Donald Rump is that this guy is a redneck racist. He belonged to the Klan. His family was part of the Klan. And every Thing that he do, even to the border shutting down and building the walls and talking about why don't we have more people coming here from Norway? Because you know Norway is a white, predominantly country, and it, it everything that comes out of him, he uses these cold terms to let the white people know whether they're racist or whatever they are that I got your back. And the problem is that we don't have sense enough to see it because we got idiots like Conway. Uh, what is it? Uh, Kanye and West. some of these other idiots hanging around the White yeah. House uh, wanting to be buddy that's, buddy with That's where this group was uh, was going on today, and I and yeah. I brought it up today because I was watching the news this morning, and that's what the news was bringing up is that he had these yeah. uh, black ministers that were out paying people to follow uh, Trump. But there's even yeah. there's even uh, resources that are out there right now that you can go back on. I mean, just have people go on YouTube and and bring up Malcolm X. Uh, what was that? The uh, field nigger. Yeah, field nigger, ballad of the bullet, or whatever you know. You know, it's the ballad of the really bullet. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking but, of that, let me let me interrupt for a second. What about that woman that? Uh, uh, called the uh, uh, L.A. Lakers, L.A. niggers last week. Has there been any follow-through on that, what happened with that situation? I, I understand that she got fired. I haven't seen any more on it. I understand that Ooh. she got fired, and a lot of people was upset. Even some brothers came on that defending her. Well, why did they rush to fire her? You know, it wasn't what she meant. I don't know how you understood what she meant from Jump Street if you didn't know her personally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I noticed that there were people coming to her rescue real fast. And and the thing about it is when they people do a make gaps like that, they wind up with a better position someplace else. Oh, yeah. Like a, I was a, about a, to a, say, they probably moved her to the yeah, front office. Or yeah. over, to Fox, yeah. over to Fox News. I mean, if, if she yeah, really is a, a racist, then Fox News will hire her in a heartbeat. That's right. Mm-hmm. And not only that, if, you know, I was reading about this cop the other day who murdered this this kid. And, uh, boy, he got a better job making twice as much money now. You know, and he got that job through connections and the people in the police department that he was working in. You know, so when they say, well, I tell people all the time, there is no laws that we are obligated to respond to because they don't make laws. For themselves they make laws for us 
and we have to understand that and stop supporting and stop supporting that that crap because some of us will get damaged or we'll get stuff stolen from we get robbed but all kinds of things happen but then we ought to blame all black people on the planet if they weren't doing this they wouldn't be that way if they weren't doing it they don't even think about who created the circumstances by which the mental capacity of these people is, is geared toward? Who created that system? Yes, but sir. we are always we are always putting band-aids on. You can't cut your jugular vein on your throat and put a band-aid on it. And that's what's happened to us. They keep yeah. trying to put band-aids on stuff, and they treat, keep trying to make excuses for the reason why stuff, people stuff happens. It happens because the system is designed to create this hysteria and and this yeah dog eat dog mentality where we you know what you were talking about the black on black crime the, the, you know at every level who are you more likely to rob you're more likely to rob somebody living in the community where you live at mm-hmm. you people don't go out in the suburbs and rich houses and rob places most of them don't they rob people right next door. You know, and so that whole concept, you know, uh, of these people being bad because they're put in situations where they feel like the only out I have is to rob my neighbor. You know what I mean? We have to think about that. And it's hard when you're the one who's being robbed. I understand that. But if you step back and say, okay, it's like my car was broken into. I don't know whether they were black or white. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. But at first, I said, but my mind said, if I had caught him out here, I would put a bullet in him. But then when I stepped back from it a few minutes, mm-hmm. I said, okay, why would somebody come out here and do all this damage? Because there wasn't nothing of real value in the car. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. And they didn't take anything. But when people are desperate, they do desperate, foolish stuff. Yeah, they do desperate things. They don't care who they are. Okay, that's let me go to the board because I got another box here that's turning fire red. And if I keep this sister waiting any longer, man, we going to be in trouble. Mainly me. I'm going to get cussed out, slandered. I'm going to be the next victim on the news tonight. If the sister comes in like an earthquake, like a like a tornado, and we, 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 we know her as Sister Gina. And she's on fire right now as usual, probably more this week than any other. What's up, my sister? No, I'm just listening. Um, I came on late, so I missed your opening. But um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to find a way around the system. We can't change everything all at once. It is, it's a progression, and a blueprint has to be laid out there. But the thing about it that I'm finding amongst people and um, I said it at my job. People don't freaking listen. God, clear, get the wax out in here. You know, I find myself repeating myself sometimes to people. I'm like, did, did you hear what I just said? And if they're talking, talking, I'm like, I didn't ask you that. Did you hear what I just said? And then they stop themselves. They're in some fog. It's communication. At my... <laughs> At my job, um, my, my boss, the, the supervisor said something to me, and I said, I told him, I said, because um, yesterday I was supposed to have a, uh, I was supposed to work half a day, and um, a friend is was having surgery, 
and I was going to leave and go on, you know, sit with everybody else looking, you know, gloomy in, sur- in the surgery waiting room. But I decided to stay at work because no one brought it up. But my supervisor came and was like, why are you still here? I'm like, well, I'm not going to try and go this way when I have to come back and go this way, so I'm going to meet my family this way and keep going, right? And I just looked at him. I said, no one listens. I said, they didn't tell you, but I told them. So, you know, I just didn't have the energy yesterday to explain the whole story again when I've already explained it to someone that can translate the story, but you didn't translate it because the only thing that you're thinking about is how much money you're going to get from me sitting in this seat. And I already know that. I couldn't even sit down yesterday at my job before, um, um, fill out your time card. I didn't even say good morning. I will. And then I left Friday yesterday saying, hey, you know what? I'm late. I'll get back to you Monday because I'm busy. I'm too busy here on this job. You're breaking down my back for two days of work, which is under $1,000. And, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting here looking at this going, it will be funny if I just let you put this on that next check and, and I forego turning in that timesheet. Then you miss that billing because you're the same company that when I left this agency, I mean, left this position where I was, you bounced my paycheck. That's a violation. But back to what I was saying, listen, they couldn't even communicate that. And my supervisors was like, well, you, we have open communication. I'm like, you know what, it's, a, it's not even a factor. I don't even want to sit in the operating surgery room or wherever in the heck you sit, the waiting room, and look at everybody else's gloomy faces. I'd rather sit here and make some mistakes on your letter, which I had, didn't mean to, but I fixed it Monday. But you know, it's just I, I just sat there going, "Wow, you know, no, no one's no one's hearing." You're, it, when I hear you guys talk about, you know, this, I, I don't know how to, what is it, the next, um, what do you call it thing? Now, I don't want to say galaxy or whatever you talk about. It's like these people are in a fog, and they can't hear you, and it puts a whole new meaning to some of these people that I know that are, that have addictions and go to twelve step programs. There's one thing that they say: you're spirit, you're spiritually sick. You can't hear. If you can hear, you can make some changes. It would, you could do a 360 and think. And like I said, back to the blueprint. Even talking to the millennials that are around me, I just have to sit there and repeat myself. I'm like, I didn't ask you that. I said this. Do you understand what I just said? And I have to keep saying that until it's recited back to me. I said, okay, now that you hear it, maybe you can execute it. But when I talk and you turn my my language is jumbled like there's some kind of uh, machine out there that says okay let's let's play Scrabble with her words while it goes into your ear you, you don't hear me and then you go off and you do the same shit over and over and over again you know what it puts a whole new meaning for me to Groundhog's Day case in point I'm gonna give you another example I'm just watching my my grown son. Car been sit- his car has been sitting out under a tree forever. Dre, I was trying to sell that car. I sent you a picture of it. <laughs> you know they finally caught up to the car. Mine too because I let mine sit under the tree, but mine starts. <laughs> his car doesn't start. Sure. Tried the battery, tried everything. Dre, over and from the last picture I sent you of that car, over and over again. Move it out to your dad's house. Take it out to your dad's house. I'm like, what part of the English language did you not hear or you couldn't understand? Finally, when Alameda, well, yeah, when Alameda said, hey, we're going to tow it, 
Then you come over and you panic. It's, uh, what, Thursday night? That car got towed for $224. Uh, branded tow, <laughs> tow companies wanted to charge 500 I was like, okay. But then I, uh, this is a key point here. The brother gave up, slammed the door, and said, I don't want it. Let him have it. And, I, I, you know, I, I'm, watching some, I'm watching this person. I raised this person, right? And I'm like, <laughs> just standing, I was leaning on my own car watching him. And I said to him, I said, I said, so when you couldn't make a car note, and I gave you some car note money, and your dad gave you some car note money, and you busted your butt to get this, even though it's material possession, I understand that, and he's not idolizing it, so there's no idolatry there, so let me make that clear. You busted your butt. You were happy that you did something for yourself. And now because the system is not working with you because you're having a little financial crisis, you just say F it. And then I, you know, I just leaned on my car, and I said, wow, you don't even have any fight, right? I said, you come from a fighter. I ran away at 17. And I'm like, I'm just looking. I'm looking at him. And then he got mad when I said that, slammed the door. I'm like, call your father. He has property. <laughs> he finally called his dad, but sat there and was hemming and hawing and going once again on a hamster wheel. And I was like, excuse me, hi. Uh, can, can he tow his car to your house and, and just sit there until he can get his, uh, until he can get his life right? <laughs> his dad said, it's kind of funny. He said, Sure. But the, the, the look on my son's face was like, it was that easy. But how many months? Dre, if you can find that um, picture in your text message, just send it back to me because I want to look at the date. I sent that picture to you for that car to be sold. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? You guys yeah. just got dead silent. <laughs> Hello? Well, we're giving you your Still here. But you know, it's, I guess I guess the point I'm making is the is the well, I guess so because I'm talking about listening, right? The amount of people that I speak to, and Dr. Kwaku, you say things too; they don't hear you. They hear I don't. I, they zone the hell out. You're speaking; they don't listen. If you listen, there's clear communication given to you. You can execute a blueprint, lay it on top of everybody else's, and make it a powerful statement that you can push forward and do something about something, right? Well, you know, that it's, it's like that's that's the problem the I'm having. Nobody listens. Yeah, huh? and, and see, here on my show and even with Quake Koo and his show, you know, we're mainly getting on our people about our issues, and you may have missed it in my. Uh, my opening uh, comments about now how we openly call ourselves niggas, how women now openly <laughs> call themselves bitches. It used to be a day when you call a, a, a woman a bitch. That's fighting words. Now mm-hmm. it's a term of endearment. If I'm a woman, I'm referring to you. Hey, bitch, what's up? Oh, bitch, I'm a, I'm cool. I'm getting ready to get up from here and do some things. And, and so... These things, with this just shows how we are uh, uh, psychologically destroyed, and like Dr. Quake Koo says, cognizant dissonance. But I guess I'm okay, but you, let me guess. I you guess know what? Can I say something real, real quick? This is real quick. Three sentences. Over to CNN. After the Senate cleared the way for Trump's acquittal, the Department of Justice revealed it has emails about his role in the Ukraine 
aid freeze. And so here it is. The Department of Justice now has evidence on it. And now the Republicans have now said, no, we're not bringing any evidence, discovery or anything to this trial. And on Wednesday, they just going to vote to let him go. Go ahead. Wait, wait, is this on the news now? Yeah, just hit on my phone on CNN. Yeah, okay, is, so my, um, I was going to make a, a point about about the bees, about the bees and the ends. Yeah. Um, I've noticed, you know, just being out and going around that, I noticed that a lot of the sagging had stopped. I didn't see that as much as, you know, if I see a cluster of, of young people together and their brothers or whatever, I don't, I don't see all the, you know, you're walking and your pants are down around your ankle. I think that's hilarious because to me, you look like you stink. But anyway, um, as of late, it looks like it's making a comeback. And, you know, I often wonder when I see that, it's like I'm going to look at you but then I'm going to go back to your parents. I'm like, what, what are their morals and values? Do you have any respect in your household? Or is that what well, your dad calls your mom? That's what, the, you, what your mama calls, that's you, calls your dad? That's what's being pushed right now. It's being pushed in the White House to, to have our young people again uh, calling each other names to have them and get uh, destroy their own dignity. Uh, we're dealing with somebody who that spent his lifetime uh, with his family following the Nazis, following Hitler and their philosophies. And that's why you have the philosophies like wag the dog. I mean, you... You teach people to, uh, his whole philosophy is that if he keeps repeating things, then eventually people are going to listen to him and they're going to believe him. Then we can take a page out of his book and keep repeating ourselves until people hear us. Because you know what, sometimes the amount of times that the millennials that I'm around, that I have to repeat myself and repeat myself and repeat myself. They eventually get it. Then you can make that little bit of change and carry and some of the, what we're saying what, further. Yeah, unfortunately, so, that's what's necessary today because that's what's being taught as the philosophy of how to live today's life. Mm-hmm. And then also the things that identify as, as criminals is – when you look at the 10, 11 o'clock news and when they bust uh, some brothers out here, how come they always wearing these dreadlocks and a lot of them got the damn uh, tattoos? It, it just, it's just a, why do you identify yourself like that? The combination of the sagging, dreadlocks, and tattoos. I was, Looking at the little ugliest rascal you ever want to see yesterday on the sports talk show in the morning. Little rapper <laughs> got BBs in his face, tattoos, and some nappy ass hair. Uh, uh, little bitty dude, but he's a famous rapper. As ugly as all hell. And, 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 and this is an imagery 
that's put out there, but it all looks so damn satanic. And I was reading an article the other day about these uh, tattoos that uh, cats are putting all over their bodies. And this is referencing back to Satanism, labeling. And why these cats want to do this to themselves? Do they actually, I mean, how do these cats get a job with all these damn dreadlocks falling all over them? I mainly, you see it a lot in the NFL, a lot of the football players are, are doing it. If I was in football, you come at me with some dreadlocks, I'm going to snatch that shit and tear your head off by wearing something like that. And, and, and so we do the most stupidest things throughout the trends and that's why i mentioned early in the 70s movies in the 70s it, you know the brothers were at least sharp they were wearing some damn uh bell bottoms and and knit shirts and some some platform shoes whatever but it was a neat sort of thing nowadays show your ass put on some dreadlocks and put tattoos all over your ass and it just doesn't make freaking sense unless it's tied to something else that is a symbolism of evil. And and, and that's why when you see these cats on the news. It is it is an identification. Yeah. And they want that identification back. And I'm yeah. I'm waiting for for them to put plates in their mouths again. Oh, yeah. Hey, brother, I got news for you. They're already doing that. And, and not only there's a tribe in Africa where they do that stuff, but it has some kind of meaning. It's a, it's a, it's a ceremonial yeah. process that people go to. I saw a white boy one day at the flea market in Berkeley, and he had sauces in his ears. You know how they stretch your ears yeah. all Uh-huh. I asked, I said, what's your purpose there, brother? He said, I think it's neat. I said, well, do you know that that's not the reason why they were doing it? <laughs> you know? And it just goes to show you how we get all involved with stuff and don't have an understanding about it. You know, I and this young man was by my house yesterday, uh-huh. and he had a, a, the state of California tattooed on his back. I said, what's, what's that for? Unless you're walking around with no shirt on. Ownership. Nobody knew it. What is your purpose? You know what I'm talking about? They just do stuff because well, yeah, it's, you know everybody. It's, else it's just like uh, you got all the people with the the sagging pants and stuff. I mean, there was a there was a a reason that they did that in prisons before. They were oh, identifying yeah. I, themselves. And uh, you know, like my son, to bring some of his boys over, and I tell him, I said, "Pull your pants up. I am not interested in looking at jazz." Okay. Yeah, you stink. <laughs> Yeah, I got you, great dude, man. You just stripping. You old school. I I don't know what old school got to do with having your pants up on your ass. I don't know what that, that. You know, tell me what it means to you, because even they have heard that. You know how it originated in the prison system, but they don't buy it. They got another reason why they're doing it. You know, so people will take these things that are so out of of character, and and they'll just run with it. Because it's something new, uh, their friends are doing it, and and I understand that you have your whole copycat syndrome where you are dealing with with this kind of stuff. But do you ever stop? I remember when I was in the, I was in the Navy, man, when I was like eighteen, seventeen, actually. 
And I remember being downtown Chicago one night, and I'm glad I must have sobered up a little bit. I was in the verge of getting a balance <laughs> tattooed on my chest. <laughs> and every time I look at somebody with a tattoo there, I be thanking God. I'm sure glad you didn't do those stupid stuff like that because all of the guys was doing it. They didn't have know what to do with their money. They either went downtown, you picked up a woman, or you went and did some craziness. And that's what the guys was doing. So we have to, you know, make It shows how well they were trained. Yeah. What is your purpose? You know, if, if I'm going to wear something on me, I want it to identify with something that I believe in. You know what I mean? Are you, are you, you believe in, in, in America so much that you want it tattooed all the way up down your arm? You believe in a fictitious book. I seen one guy look like he had the whole Bible tattooed on his body. What's his purpose for that? You know, not only is he not probably not following it, but what is the point? And you know, now, but these these cats in the NBA, Doc, I think that you know they they can't. But a lot of these cats are young, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two years old. And you just don't know any better. Now, back in the old days, you get a box of Cracker Jacks for 10 cents. They had a little tattoo thing in there. I put the little tattoo on, but hell, you wash it off in two days. <laughs> nowadays, you've got to go lay on well, the Well, they're doing the same thing. They're just not washing it off. Well, yeah. <laughs> they didn't you learn gotta, that part. you got to go somewhere. The cat with a needle is pumping dye into your ass. And, and embedding yeah. the same thing in there forever. And then that was and growing you, up in the old days, you just put it on there and it stays on a couple of days and then it washes off. But, but you see, know. now you, 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 you got to go back to them and get them to do the same process all over again to get it off. You know, or you got more sophisticated and you got those uh, silly putty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now LeBron went and put a damn mamba snake on him. Now, yeah, that's Kobe's, you know, logo or his nickname. But a snake is a reptile. And it is the deadliest snake on the planet. That's why they call it the two-step, the African two-stepper. Once he hits your ass, you take two steps, you throw. So why would you want a reptile painted on your body? There's some other things that you can do to memorialize Kobe that's more significant. Go out here and name a, a library after him, a gymnasium after him, a scholarship program after him. Do something down in South Central LA. Oh, this is mad that I mentioned this. You know, since so much stuff has come through about uh, uh, Kobe, it's kind of really messed me up this week, put me in a bad mood. I'm in better moods than Gina this week. It, it, you know it, what? You need to stop. Nah, you ain't got to respond, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> this whole thing uh, about Kobe living in Orange County and put together this basketball gymnasium, I think it was up somewhere in thousand oaks in a, in a white community and yeah. more for the edification of white children now i'm looking at after he died at the forum 
I saw thousands of black folks, thousands of Mexicans there with Kobe's jerseys on. That's my boy and all that. Why didn't he put this academy in South Central? Why didn't he put it in You, you know what? You know what? Why didn't he put almost, it in Watts? I was almost well, because they, uh, they announced in that, within that that it was an affluent neighborhood. Yeah, of course. So yeah, he had to identify affluent. But, but, see, but here's, here's the thing. Everybody, most of the people, I'd say two-thirds of the people that he associated with besides the basketball players, are white. His community is predominantly white. His children play with white kids. So most of the time, you're going to do something. You're going to do something in the community where you live at. And, and well, you know, while, while he was a great basketball player, and uh, I don't see him as no great humanitarian of uh, really trying to give back to the community. They were selling to the community because I guarantee you half the people that wearing COVID shirt can't even afford to buy it. You know? Boy, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's that's one thing about the Negro factor, Doc. I don't care if those shoes are four hundred dollars; they're gonna buy those Jordans. Me, I don't miss my corner. <laughs> in South Central, I mean, these cats might not have money to go out here and and get your book on T two five CL, but they're gonna have the four hundred dollars to get the Kobe's and and the Jordans. But yeah. my thing is. He built that academy in the white areas, but why didn't you give it back to the black area where these cats are out here in, in the streets copying your moves, emulating you, wearing your jerseys, wearing your shoes, yeah. hanging your tongue out your ass, all this sort of stuff. And, and, and putting the money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, let's, take it even, let's take it even further than that. Remember Ronnie Lott? Yeah. Yeah. $25 million to UCLA or USC, one of them, whichever one of those schools he went to. Why didn't he give it to one of the historical black colleges who can't even afford to survive out of it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So all of them do this stuff. And, and, and I wonder when they get ready to do it, what is the motivation? And why don't you think about your own first? That is a prime example of what our people were trying to teach us against. Thinking about somebody else's household before you think of your own. You take care of home first. Then you go outside of that. If you can do something for the community, you do it. Then you take it out and share it with another neighborhood. But it don't start out there. It starts at home. So this is a, a, a part of this year's psychological thing, I think, that really happens to us is that we don't have a place of belonging, or we don't feel we have a place of belonging. And even after we get $50 million, we still don't feel like we belong. Well, we certainly don't belong in the, in the black community because most black people don't, don't live like that. So where else is it for them to go except to move into a white neighborhood and open up some uh, system that works for the benefit of them instead of for their own people? So they have lost. They have a no. They have a. That's their way of getting our dollars. When when we give you riches, we're gonna put our white asses in there and take it and, and have some of it with you. That's that. My mother told me that a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. but you know, that's, my thing is, where does this mentality come from in the young black athlete, men or women? Where does it come from that you do for some other community, but before you do for your own? 
go 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 to the news section on T25CL and look at what it got up there about the book, How to Make a Negro Christian by Dr. Walcott. And you got to read that. Yeah, I've read that. And uh, that's why I'm not saying if, but when I make it to that level of economic success, hopefully in the next few days, you know, even though I came out of the Oakland public school system and Oakland Technical High School, but my college was St. Mary's out here in Moraga. Now, when I get my just due, I'm not going to be running out to St. Mary's. St. Mary's going to be okay. There's plenty of people, wealthy people, that will take care of St. Mary's. I would love to come to the OAL and like to uh, maybe get new uniforms, all the sports teams, buy them a bus, and and fix up their their athletic facilities, uh, help them out with their libraries and their computer system, uh, the security around the schools and better food programs for, for all the schools in in Oakland. I would love to do something like that for a humanitarian gesture because I came out of the Oakland public school system from kindergarten through 12th grade. I indemnify myself with the OAL more than I do with St. Mary's College. So when you bring up that point of why did he put the money in USC and then why didn't, because Ronnie Lott grew up in LA. He's from LA. So why didn't he go yeah. to the LA school system and, and put the funds there? And, and Kobe, yeah. why didn't he yeah, put so in some, his some fund there in yeah. LA, 20 years in LA as, as a Laker, put, put, put it, there, give it back to where you you came from out of in the NBA, and and, and or, so man, or, or at least or at least put it back where it does the most good. USC yeah. is going to survive. UCLA is going to survive. They got multi-million dollar donors. Our schools don't. Yeah. We're constantly crying about no books, poor teachers, poor uh, equipment, poor everything, but. They take their money and they give it to people who are already rich. There's something ironic about that. <laughs> hey, Doc, I heard too that, like in the school system now, they they don't even have the the gym class anymore. You don't go and right. and put gym clothes on, and you don't take showers anymore. And and when I was coming up, you know, you would have the presidential thing about fitness. And depends on how fit and fit you were. And if you guys, I know Gregory, you were in the system, so you know what I'm talking about too here in the Bay Area. Uh, that the, the blue and the red and the gold patches, the, the presidential uh, mm-hmm. fitness awards. And then once we won those patches, you know, we would sold those on to our, mm-hmm. our gym equipment. And we took pride in, in going to gym and playing baseball, basketball, and, and, and footballs. And then and taking our funky asses in the shower and getting cleaned up yeah. and getting getting to class. Now, do you know what, uh, Andre? Do you know what we used to get most of the? I used to work at Havens Court, me and Dr. Adams. And do you know what class most of the students used to fail in? What was that? Gym, math, math, gym, gym, gym. I said, how the hell do you fail in gym? All you gotta do is go put your shorts on 
And basically, all they had to do a lot of time was just change up. Some of them wouldn't even change up because they didn't. A lot of them were bashful and shy. You know how young boys and young kids, they didn't want to change in front of other people. But a lot of kids used to make straight Fs. They'd make good in other stuff, but make Fs in gym because they didn't want to change up. No, no. Yeah, it, I, it was it was mandatory that we change up. It oh yeah, that you that you participate in whatever exercise that was going on. Yeah, see, it ain't nothing to be ashamed of at junior high school and high school. I mean, all of us had little bitty wings and stuff back then, and yeah. and so it yeah. was all cool. It, it's just that if you don't have those type of securities about yourself, then you and usually those are the uh, the uh, non-athletic type cats. Yeah. But those but of us that so were athletes, we, we got yeah. on out there and showered together and everything else, man. And so, but, but we you got know, out and played ball. But how a child feels about themselves, their image, their body image and everything is largely based on the, the kind of support they get at home. If you're at home, and like I tell a lot of people, I say, you may have a dad at home and a mom at home, but somebody ain't doing their job. Because if you're not interacting with your children, and one of the things I know about raising my own children, you have to constantly be letting them know that they're special. Because then they don't feel self-conscious. They they are willing to step out there and do whatever's necessary to to be successful. But if you got a kid who's like a, a latchkey kid, you know where the parents leave money under the under the on the plate at the breakfast table. They don't really see their parents. They don't really see them at night, you know. And so the kids are kind of, they don't have anybody to reinforce that they are special. And it doesn't matter how they look or what their body image is. Children need to have that constant reinforcement, and they need to get it from people that they love and they trust. Because yeah. if they love you and they trust you, they're going to step out there. Their faith is based on that love and that trust. When that's not happening, it doesn't matter if the parents is making five hundred thousand dollars a year or a million thousand uh, thousand a year. The children suffer, and you see it when they get into. It used to be that people, kids used to start acting up uh, around middle school. Now they are acting up more in kindergarten because there's less and less and less and less connection in the family dynamic. Yeah, and so. Yes. And we used to teach parenting classes out there. And the reason being is that parents would come up there and they said, well, I want my kid to do the right thing. I want my kid to be good at this. But I said, what investment are you making in that? Well, I have to work and I have to go to this meeting. I have to go to that meeting. I said, but you still have children. Ooh, and yes, see, they, they couldn't equate that. Well, I'm doing the best I can. I said, but if you're doing the best you can then, and your child is, is failing, at life, not just in school, then there is something wrong with it. There's a breakdown in the process by which you're doing it. But it, a lot of times people or in the system that. because it it used to also it also used to be that the parents had to participate in their children's school school systems. But you notice how yeah. everyone's bogged down. I wonder if that's being done purposely so that it that is. that lack of participation is there now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is, and they're trying and, and to push I, it even I more so now. I get all the reasons why you can't do it, but you have to make that. And I didn't learn that myself until you know when my wife passed away, and I was I became a single parent, and my son was like five years old when she passed. 
I was used to working 10, 12, 15 hours a day out there in the world, involved in the movement, you know, and, and, and doing all this your family stuff. And I realized that, wow, <clears throat> I can't pay somebody to come in here and give my son what he needs. He needs it from me, you know? And I had to start to That make, is true. I'm willing, I'm but willing to start But to then make, they started making... They also yeah, started I, I, making I, I, laws that say that if you yell at your child, then you're going to jail. Yeah. Well, and, they the the child, and they teach the child to turn the parent in for, for yelling at them. Yeah. And, and you really don't need to do that if, you, if your communication begins very, very young. And I strongly believe in this. People say that a child's personality development happens between three and five years old. If during those years that, they are very important because they really need to be reinforced constantly. You know, because if you don't do that, if you don't do that, when they get six or seven or eight, you're going to have to start yelling at them. You understand what I'm saying? If you do it, yeah, when but it's they're just the, it's the whole philosophy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically that the, that the government is teaching the parents to fear their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So the parents don't and, get involved. And, 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 and a lot of people say, well, I'll pay money for him to play football and this. Well, let me tell you something. If you put your your son or daughter in basketball, baseball, or whatever, and you don't go out there and cheer for them and then motivate them and encourage them on, guess what? At some point, they're going to lose interest in that process. Not only that, there'll be nobody there to kind of support them and deal with the coaches. Because I've stood out there at Pop Warner. I used to coach Pop Warner football out here. And I'd have people coming out there, and they'd be cussing their kids out on the field while they was practicing football. And, I mean, I had to go up to some friend and say, wait a minute. You you can't talk to your child. Like, if you want him to do something, you got to use another voice. You know, That's so a good point, Doc, because in my days, when we had practice for baseball, no parents was ever out there. Yeah. You know, we went out there, we did our thing, and went on home. And but only very few cats. We had a more solid uh, foundation at the home level. So it's like, you know, we knew what we were supposed to do. We get an opportunity to go out there, we do the best we can. Now, uh, you know, the one thing about my grandmother, them, they didn't go to school, and, and my grandmother couldn't read, you know. But they were a hell of a motivator. Yeah, they see, what happens know. is these, these parents these days are living their lives vicariously through their children, and that's why they're pushing them out there on the basketball field, football field, baseball field, is they want them to hurry up and get up there and get a contract so that they can reap the benefits of it. This is why you see the involvement of parents in, in sports nowadays with the children at the young, young life. Back in our days, our parents were working for East Bay Mud, the phone company, or PG&E or the post office or whatever so that they could support us. But nowadays, these parents want to hurt, get these kids up to 18, 19 years old and get them into professional sports. And or to, if you got a cute little girl, you want to get out here and turn her into one of these, what you call a Gucci mama or something, put a microphone in her hand and so that she can be the next Beyonce or, or, or those other girls that get out there. And, and, and to, but there, you know, there were still a, a number music. of people. There were still a number of people around because I coached uh, 
baseball and I coached uh, volleyball. And I required my, the parents be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, but, see, that's a lot of times the, these parents aren't able to do it. I said, well, look, send this brother or sister or somebody with them. You know, you have to support the endeavors that they're involved in. You know, the worst kids I ever seen, and I, I, I hope that they're not listening. <laughs> but I went to, to work with a family. The, the, the daddy played for the 49ers, plenty of money. And their mother was a big-time real estate person. The kids were the worst kids I've ever seen in my entire life. The kids actually jumped on his mother. And would, and his daddy was playing football. He didn't care. He'd fight his daddy. He was about 14 years old. Oh, no. You know? I mean, these, it was literally a mess. In fact, another doctor, I won't mention his name, he was working with him for about a year. And he said, man, I can't do that. We took the whole family crazy. He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he said it to me, and I went with him for a while. The next thing I knew, I'm getting the emergency call. They had him in a straitjacket down there. He had jumped on his mother again. And then when his mother came down to the hospital to see him, he told him to get that bitch out of here. You know, that's demonic. And, and I had to tell him, I said, you don't talk to your mother like that. I said, we drove all the way down. He said, yeah, but they put me in here. I said, you think you can jump on your mother and there'll be no repercussion? He was just Uh that far out there. You know, and so finally they had to put him in one of those day centers where he had to be there because he couldn't function nowhere else. And he had been given everything he wanted. And I asked the mother, I said, when did he start putting his hands on you? She said, well, he always, he would bump up against me and push me. I said, well, you should have knocked him out then. I don't believe in corporal punishment, but no child has the right to put their hands on their parents. Hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're no talking about what, evil possession, Doc. That a lot of this yeah. stuff is, is some real way out stuff that you see in the in the Halloween movie with with yeah. uh, Michael Myers and stuff. You just go out one night trick or treat. I'm telling you, you know, you're coming back with a blade, <laughs> killing everybody, man. Yeah, that's yeah, some, something you got to hold. Sometimes you, something you know. Me. You know this, Andre. If you or I would have done that to our family, when the police got there, we'd have been already ready to be taken to the to the morgue. I wouldn't be on Galaxy Talk Radio uh, right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. But, and I tell people all the time when they tell me they their kids are doing that to them, I say, Well, when did they start doing it? And they start by letting them get away with stuff, you know, during those formative years. If you let a child get away with something once, they're going to do it again. They're going to do it again because that's part of their development and learning process. Oh, well, uh, I was able to do this the last time and I got my way. I got what I wanted. And that's how they do. They associate stuff. And when you are poor parenting skills, you don't do this stuff because you're just too stressed out from your job and all the other things you have to do to deal with it. Believe me, you will pay. You don't know how many kids, where families I've seen, where the kids have jumped on their parents in my years around the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. It's been many, many of them. I had a woman come yeah, to me. With a I, remember my, I remember yeah, my closest friend uh, had to go to court because uh, he had, um, well, remember he had uh, punched his son. And the judge asked him why he punished him. And he said, well, I could punish him now or you could punish him later. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and Judge right, left him alone. Yeah. yeah, because you if if you don't take it if you don't stop that stuff where it begins at, you're going to pay the price. Like I said, I had one girl, a woman come to me, her daughter. I'm staring at her. She come to me, a black eye was folded up, I was completely closed. And so I said, well, who did you like this? She said, my daughter. At first, I thought it was she said something. I said, yo, who? She said, my daughter. I said, well, why would your daughter punch you in the eye like that? She said, well, she wanted me to babysit for her that one night, and I wouldn't, and she punched me in the eye. Now, this shows you, this didn't begin here with the daughter punching her in the eye. No, that, this that, began that a long time ago. time ago that she had been letting some stuff go down there. Uh, that the child felt like she was equal to the mob, you know? And see, children only, that's why the people say you can't be friends with your kids. You have to be a parent first. Yeah, yeah, you got to be a parent, but that's what Mm -hmm. you see a lot. That's a good point, Doc, because you do see a lot of that nowadays of uh, these parents, these, these, especially these mothers with these daughters and stuff. I've seen that with my own family. And, uh, it, and that was no longer a daughter. I'm speaking of a, a real cousin of mine, and her daughter wasn't a daughter. That was her friend, the best friend, and the daughter ended up getting killed, and now yeah. she's just distraught. Not that her daughter got is that her best friend got killed, you know? And so, yeah. look, we're eight minutes after 12. We've been jamming for two hours and eight minutes. It seemed like we've only been doing this for 15, 20 minutes or so. So why don't we go ahead, because I know it's a Saturday, and I hate that to uh, interrupt people's Saturdays. I know you got things you got to do and you got to get to the cleaners, to the bank. Yeah. And, 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 and no I was actually going to tell you, I'm going to have to to leave the conversation. I yeah. actually have to meet uh, Ricardo to work on some yeah, equipment. Yeah, I, I got to get out here too. <laughs> My All right. Okay, everybody give a, a closing statement. One minute. Let's start with Gregory, then go to Gina, then Quake Koo. One minute, closing statement. Go ahead, Gregory. Um, well, we're talking about, uh, what's necessary now, uh, what's necessary now is we can't stop talking to people. We have to continue because the things that we're trying to make changes for now, they're trying to make changes in the opposite direction. So Mm -hmm. it's time to make more noise than we made before. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sister Gina, go ahead. One minute. Um, practice listening. And when, we're just going to have to keep repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating until we do sound like a broken record. That's it. All right. Dr. Kwaku, one minute. Well, I, I think is the one thing, there's an old joke I used to hear from from people. And this, in fact, this guy told me this joke about this, this kid and his mother. And uh, he said, his mother, this, oh, this person asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, he, I want to be a white man. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, why would you want to be a white man? He said, because my mother said, niggas ain't shit. Yeah, yeah. We have to find a way to steer our people away from that wanting to be accepted and involved in that whole white uh, philosophy, psychology, whatever they want to call it. We have to move away from that. That means we got to keep on preaching, the, bringing the message strong. And even though we sometimes get discouraged, we need each other to lift us up so that we can keep on carrying that message forward. Yes, sir. All right. Let me go ahead on and close it out. 
and definitely want to thank all of you guys for being here today on a Saturday morning. And, you know, I, I just want to say this about my show, United We Stand, I'm here on Galaxy Talk Radio, TT5CL Entertainment. And when I select these talking points, it's just uh, about the things that hit the news and that all of us see on a daily basis. And then with all the phone calls that I get on a daily basis about the things that are going on in the world, whether it's with sports or entertainment or with Trump or whatever's happening in the world. I get sometimes my calls start at a quarter to seven in the morning and, and don't end till in the evenings. And and sometimes when it gets in the latter part of the week, I really get kind of uh, wiped out with it. But uh, And I kind of internalize a lot of these things that are going on in the world and, this, and especially the things that are happening in Africa and our condition here in America. And, uh, but I've, I've been saying it for years and years. And now that I got this microphone, I really put emphasis on the real solution that can uh, really make a change and, and we'll end up killing ourselves by constantly teaching and training and reinforcing uh, about black on black corporate crime and getting ourselves together and let's collect five dollars here and ten dollars there and so that we can maybe make a dollar after we collect the five and ten dollars and so but you know this is a it's a mission it's a real serious mission and and i and i really do believe it that the solution has got to be in off-planet divine solution because our people are so jacked up right now mentally spiritually and uh, and that it, it, it's just that we just no pill is going to cure this no aspirin no high blood pressure medication nothing it is we need an instantaneous response to all this and so with that and super bowl tomorrow frisco 49ers and so big day tomorrow and i know a lot of you are going to be getting prepared for that as well too and so um, we'll see you here um next week actually week after next i know i had something to do next saturday if it's still happening but if you get a notice from me um i'm still going to going to be on but i may not be here next week and so but if you get a notice we're going to be rocking and rolling again and hopefully by next week <clears throat> we're going to be in a celebratory phase to where we can be changing the uh, soliloquy here and moving forward to making this a, a much better uh, place. And so with that, thank you for listening and feel free to download this show and pass it on uh, to others and encourage other people to come in and, and to express their feelings as well. But keep supporting us, check out our film, listen to the radio. And so with that, I'm going to say hotep and us. Salam alaikum. Peace and blessings. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.